Welcome to the CS Joseph podcast. I'm your host, John. And today we're going to talk about relationships and about intimate relationships in particular, um, even though the concepts we're going to talk about today and the kind of the practical application is relevant in every kind of relationship, whether it's it's friendship, siblings, uh, parents, family, uh, any, any type of professional relationship. But what I really want to focus on today is intimate relationships, whether you're whether you're dating, whether you're married, whether you're uh, interested in someone. Um, there's, I think, a, a set of very powerful tools in the psychology that we can utilize to not only understand the people that we're attracted to and that we're drawn to and that we love, but also that we can apply to improve uh, the connection, but really also to understand the ways in which we become disconnected from others. Because, you know, no, no, no one's intimate relationship is is fiery all the time, right? It doesn't uh, it doesn't always sustain connection on its own. We have to actively uh, pour into the other person and to invest into ourselves in the in the appropriate way in order for uh, you know for the intimate connection to be maintained. And the context that we're going to talk about. Uh, these intimate relationships through is the cognitive origins and viewing the origins as the thing that we're seeking most, right? Uh, a cognitive origin, there's eight of them shared by you know the, the, the dyads. Each origin is shared by two types. Um, the origin is what we're seeking most, right? It's our fuel. It's our lifeblood. If we don't have it, then everything else in our life is kind of dull by comparison. You know, if an, if an ESTP or an INFJ doesn't have connection, everything else in their life doesn't matter as much. It's not as inspiring. They're not as motivated to to pursue things. Just as if an ESFJ or an INTP isn't able to experience new things, whether it be physical or abstract, uh, if they're not able to consume the things that they enjoy or to or to create the things that that compel them, then their life is is loses its some of its spark, right? Uh, just as if an, if an INFP or an ESTJ feels powerless or that their, their voice doesn't matter, or their opinion isn't, isn't regarded well by others, they feel uh, uh, lackluster, right? And this relationship with the origins exists with all of us. Uh, but today, the, the focus is not as much about, about us obtaining our origin, but about using uh, the origin of the people that we love or that we're attracted to using that in order to uh, create and sustain connection with other people. So what this looks like is a focus on, okay, how can I provide for their cognitive origin? How can I create space either for their origin to be manifest and expressed, or what can I do to give to them that will help bring out their origin more, right? And there's a couple layers here. Um, within, within this, this discussion, there's two main ones. So if you take like an INFP, for example, they're they're seeking power and, and authority. Uh, so one way to help that is to give them opportunities to express their power and authority, right? But there's another flip side too, and that's with like the ESTJ. Yes, they're seeking power and authority, but their 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 primary function, their their TE hero, is taking in the thoughts of others, right? So uh, in order to for, for them to feel empowered, you have to give them authority more. Whereas with the INFP, it's, it's more like giving them the space to express the authority that's already there. And it's not that the ESTJ never has the room to express the, their, their authority that's already there. 
but more often than not, you're going to have to empower them with your thoughts and with your words in order for them to feel comfortable enough to, to express whatever, whatever power authority that, that, that they may have. So, um, the concept here is, is quite simple. And then we're going to take this concept. Okay. How does, how can you supply XYZ person's cognitive origin in order to create or sustain connection? Right. And, um, the, the point here, the main point here is it's another, it's another way of understanding romantic relationships. Because if you have seen season 14, for example, which is in the members area, Chase has, I think he has four sections, but three of them are in the members area talking about the pedagogue, uh, the golden pair and the bronze pair or natural pair relationships and kind of the rules in terms of uh, mostly functions and sides of the mind uh, com compatibility and how that relates to to intimacy. Uh, that more or less is with the the, te the technicalities of the science. And yes, he gets into the origins a little bit, especially with with the natural pairs. Uh, and if you guys want to, to learn more about how the science can be directly applied to intimate relationships from a functional perspective, uh, look no further than season 14. That is the heart of what we do in terms of relationships and supplying you guys with the information to uh, to to meet the needs of your relationship. But using the cognitive origins, which are, are, are kind of a newer thing in the science with the octogram, uh, especially, right? We can start to understand relationships from a thematic level, from a more general la layer, but at the same time, a more fundamental layer. Because the origins uh, are, are functions, the little pieces of our co co cognition are ways that our origin is expressed through. For example, you have two TI heroes, the ISTP and the INTP, right? And even though it's important to them that people listen to them and care about what they think, it's important in different ways. For the ISTP, it's about validation. It's about being, being, you know, just being correct or, or understanding. And for the INTP, yes, they, they certainly care about those things, but it's also about letting them inspire a sense of discovery and awe in you, right? It's, it's not just about being right or wrong. So anyway, that, that's just to communicate that the origins Understanding relationships from this from an origin layer supplies all, a more general overview, but also a more fundamental root of what is driving a person's intimacy of their connection with you, right? Because I, I don't think in in a free world where people get you to choose the people who they're with, um, I don't think anyone gets into a relationship unless they feel and that they believe that their cognitive origin can be met consistently in that relationship. And of course, this is why the natural pair relationship. Uh, we believe is the most common for long-term and, and for long-term relationships and for marriages because the natural pair uh, is structured so that the cognitive origins have a consistent supply through, through the cognitive exchange, basically, of the two types. Um, and there's not really a higher level of comfort and compatibility than with a natural pair. So for the origins, it's just, hey, how do I... How do I let this person get their origin more? Uh, this focus is really about, about the other person in an in, intimate in relationship. So starting with, uh, let's start with the ESTJ and the INFP, right? Uh, they're seeking authority. So what can you do to help them uh, get authority in your relationship specifically, right? It's, it's not necessarily about showing them what achievement they could pursue Outside of, your, outside of your relationship, it's it's more like what can you provide within the context of the relationship that still supplies their cognitive origin? 
And for the ESTJ and the INFP, it's kind of simple. It's asking for their guidance, asking for their opinion, right? Coming to them with a problem. Um, you know, the reason Templars are so compatible with, with uh, philosopher types and with authority types is because Templars are afraid of, of putting burdens on other people, right? That they, they want to take burdens away. And they often second guess themselves when they actually have a problem and when they're trying to, to seek help, right? But the authority types, if you, if you empower them to help solve your problem, if you share what's, what's going on, or even some of what's going on, right? They often, way more often than not, would love the opportunity to help guide you and to steer you and to lay out a path for you. And some ways you can ask it is, hey, you know, what would you do if you were me? Uh, I have an INFP mentor who I talk to frequently, and sometimes I'll ask him that question. Uh, and, and frankly, sometimes I feel a little self-conscious about asking him because I know I know I'm getting so much out of the interaction, right? It's the interest-based awareness. I'm getting so much out of this. But he doesn't seem to mind so long as I am conscious and respect his authority when I'm asking questions or when I'm looking for, for guidance, right? If you expose yourself to an INFP and an ESTJ, um, allow their authority to speak into your life, basically. Um, and for an ESTJ, understand that it can be a little bit more difficult for them to express their FI because it's, if it's, an, it's an inferior function, right? So one way to make them a little, more, a little more comfortable is to share more of the parameters of the problem. You can be a little more technical with an ESTJ because their TE hero wants to absorb the details, absorb the logic. Right. And then they can supply what philosophy or value that they may that they may want to empower you with. Whereas for the for the INFP, it's a little different. They're, they're more comfortable expressing how they feel with their with their guidance, with their FI hero. Right. But also they also want the details with their T inferior, but it's letting their conviction speak first with their FI hero. Right. So for the authority types, it's just asking them, hey, um, Help me, help guide me here, right? Be, be the authority, be an authority at least in this problem. And, you know, if you, if you go to your INFP, your ESTJ first over your other friends, over your counselor, whoever else, at least with some problems, right? They're going to feel valued, right? And they want to feel valued. They want to feel important in your, in your life. And when you come to them first and when, and when you come to them, even with big problems, they will help you and they want to help you and they want to be an authority in your life, especially in intimate relationships, right? So that's the authority types, the ESTJ and the INFP. So moving on, uh, we'll, well, let's go to the satisfaction types next, the heart temple types, the ENTP and the ISFJ. Now, satisfaction is usually in the context of a, a mixture of desirability, of being desirable, but also contributing, also, also being a meaningful force for other people, someone who is uh, uh, someone who can help others achieve a sense of meaning, achieve a sense of fulfillment, because satisfaction is also about fulfillment, right? So for the ISFJ and the, and the ENTP, communicating ways that, that uh, telling them when they're desirable, when, even, even when, when they look really nice, when they dress up, when they're going to the gym, when they're taking care of themselves, when, when they're trying to improve, even if it's it, just, their, just their appearance, Merely acknowledging that is a big deal for them, right? And this is part of the discussion here that part of giving someone their origin is thinking about the other origin of their temple. Satisfaction as a origin is seeking reverence because these are the two temples, uh, these are the two origins of the heart temple. 
So um, demonstrating times or ways in which you respect them or you, or you have a sense of reverence for their appearance or their improvement or things that they're doing or their effort, right? It allows them to be satisfied when you respect what they're doing, right? The other way you, this happens too is by letting an ENTP or an ISFJ uh, help you with fulfillment, talk about your path, talk about what you want and let them help. It, it's kind of like guiding with the authority piece, but it's, it's more like, um, it's more like using their own experience of what has satisfied them to help you, uh, to allow them to help you guide you to, to what is meaningful to you, right? And allow them, it, it's really allowing them to contribute to you. And then rewarding them with with respect for that, right? Because NTPs and ISFJs, especially as they get older, especially as they get more life experience, really have a lot to offer with guiding other people uh, towards towards satisfaction and and towards that contribution. And rewarding their helping satisfy you, helping fulfill you, rewarding that with respect and a regard that everything they say or, or most things that they say you absorb with a sense of value and hold it as something uh, potentially precious, you know, potentially a treasure, right? Because the, the, the crusaders are seeking uh, to be a treasure in the sight of their, their, of their wayfarers, their, their golden quadrant, right? So treating the ENTP and the ISFJ like treasure, treating their effort like treasure is, is really what they're seeking most. And that makes them feel desired and that helps them be satisfied, right? So that is the um, that is the ENTP and the ISFJ. And moving on, uh, let's go to purpose next. Let's go to the body temple. Now, purpose is for the ENTJ and the ISFP. And purpose is really about what specific tangible achievements or goals the ENTJ or the ISFP is is moving towards. So part of this can also just be sharing with them what you're caring about or, or, or what you're moving towards, right? What you're focused on. Because they're still NI users, right? The ISFP and the ENTJ, they're still looking for, they're still trying to weigh out the options for what their purpose could be or to expand their purpose or to, or to double down on what their purpose already is to improve it, right? So sharing your purpose with them, right? sharing something that, that convicts you that, that you think highly of, uh, provides them with an opportunity for discovering potentially more purposes, right? Because that's their secondary origin. Anyway, discovery. They want to discover other people's purpose as well. But really, I, I think personally for them, it's good to ask them, hey, what are you focused on right now? What are you moving towards? What, what, what goals are you trying to achieve in the next year or six months? And a lot of ENTJs, for example, they, they go big. You know, they go for entrepreneur uh, entrepreneurship uh for starting a business for uh you know some maybe something political maybe they're they're writing something maybe they're becoming a doctor or something like that or, or it could be it could be whatever it doesn't it doesn't really really matter but giving them the space to express where they are investing their focus into right let them let them talk about what's important to them ask them questions and maybe even offer a few suggestions, right? They're still TE hero. They want to know what your thoughts are. And that they're also, you know, they're an NI user, so they want to know if there's better options available or better ways that they can do things. But just asking them, hey, what's, what's important to you? What do you, what do you care about? What, what are you aiming towards? How can I help you? How can I help you achieve your purpose, achieve this goal, right? 
maybe they don't need help, but more likely than not, there's some way that you can probably help them, even if it's something small, right? And also, and this is a little bit more for the ISFP, but still for these for these types, helping them, uh, helping understand where they feel most expressive, right? Because their purpose is ultimately an expression of, of who they believe they are and what they're what they're seeking, right? So being being treating when they share with you what, what your what their purpose is or what, what they're thinking that their purpose might be, and even if it's in a specific context of my my purpose for the next week or the next month. It's still something very vulnerable for them, right? Especially the ENTJ with FI inferior. So treating that gently, holding that gently, asking more more questions, and treating that with a sense of regard, of, of of thinking highly of that, right? Of thinking highly of of not just their purpose, but also the fact that they're sharing the purpose with you, right? Um, and then helping them maybe expand or, or brainstorm on ways that that purpose can be better uh, instantiated in their in their lives, right? So those that is the is the purpose types. Um, so for the uh, let's go back to the mind temple. Let's finish the mind temple, and that would be the validation types. Now I think the validation types of all the eight origins are kind of the trickiest to understand in terms of an intimate relationship because the mind temple by nature is a little bit impersonal. It's a little bit about you know learning education. Uh, what's right, what's wrong, or it's more like what what's correct and what's and what's false. And it's not as much about what's right and wrong. But I think for the ISTP and the ENFJ, what it really comes down to is giving them an opportunity to teach you, um, welcoming criticism, welcoming refinement. Hey, what are what are some ways you think I can improve in in this area? Or or sharing your perspective on something and letting them refine it for you, letting them challenge you, right? And and receiving that challenge with with gratitude, with, oh, okay, if I if I listen to them here, if I if I integrate their criticisms, it's gonna it's gonna make my opinion better. Right? It's gonna make my perspective sharper. But also returning that challenge when they when they maybe don't understand something well well enough. I think one one thing that people don't tend to understand about the mind temple is that you can be kind of harsh with them sometimes. Um, they're not, you know, I, I think the other three temples can be kind of sensitive to criticism, to, to, you know, people not agreeing with them. And I'm not saying that, that, that the, the mind temple types aren't sensitive. I'm just saying that their ultimate drive, especially the validation types, is to be right. And they want to know more often than not if they're wrong. And when you, when they know that you think that they're wrong, but, but aren't sharing something, they're not going to feel connected with you. They're not going to feel like they can trust you. They're not going to feel like they can rely on you, right? For the mind temple Templars, the, the validation types, the ENFJ and the ISTP, being honest is the ultimate form of validation, right? And they can be very forgiving, very open, very accommodating people. And that's one of their poles, right? Accommodation, very accommodating people when you are honest, right? Now, sometimes they can be cruel and sometimes they can just bash, bash your head in with, with a TI, right? But more often than not, far more often than not, if you expose your your opinion, especially maybe you don't get your opinion from the best resources, right? But but if you if you demonstrate that, if you say if you say hey, this is where I got this, I'm not sure about this, but this is what I, this is what I'm thinking, they will help you. They will they will teach you, and and learning to welcome that that teaching while also still challenging them is a way to supply validation to them, right? But also 
I think also at the end of the day, with their with their living virtue of humility, what they really want is just to be heard, and but in the TI way, you, they want to be understood. So ask them questions if you don't understand. You know, they'll say, "I think this about this." Okay, ask them questions to help them help you understand them, and then that is the best time to challenge them. They don't mind being challenged. They like being challenged if. You understand the perspective, right? They're they're really they can be really open-minded, provided that you put in the time, the effort, and the investment to actually understand their perspective, right? So at the end of the day, you don't have to be that gentle with the validation types as long as you seek to understand their perspective, right? So moving on next to the discovery types. Discovery can be uh, kind of like all the other origins, but especially discovery, it can be abstract or, or it can be concrete. The ESFJs probably care about traveling more, right? About trying a new restaurant, about going to a new place. Uh, a subconscious developed INTP, you know, with the ESFJs sub, sub, subconscious also has a kind of a strong preference for the, for the concrete experiences, right? The concrete experiences of discovery. Whereas the INTP tends, tends to care more about uh, you know, the abstract discovery of something they're reading, something they're thinking about, a system that they're trying to create, a book that they're trying to write, a story that they're trying to, to tell, right? This system of discovery is they're looking, they're always looking for, for what's new, for what's novel, for what's interesting, for what's curious, right? They, they're looking for expansion because they, they, they want to consume the, the newness so they can create new systems and to refine old systems, right? So for the ESFJ, just take them with you places, right? Hey, we should go on a trip. Chase talked about this in the pedagogue lectures when he talked about the ESFJ and the ICP. He's talking about someone in his in his family who was married to an ESFJ, just uh, took his wife on these random road trips across the uh, across the nation, right? and she loved it. She loved to to consume these new uh, concrete experiences, these new places, right? ESFJs and ITPs just want just want to to eat it up, right? To consume it. For the INTPs, though, it's, I think it's a little more complicated. It's it's more about giving them space to inspire discovery in you, right? So share with them, for both types, feel free to share with them what's interesting to you, right? Something that that you care care about, something that 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 you uh, places that you have a sense of enjoyment from and and discovery, but also give them space to to share what they're working on, right? And and if they like. Movies, for example, what, let them show you their favorite movies, right? They, they love that stuff. They love sharing the things that they enjoy with other people, right? That's how gluttony can be used in a way that actually creates connection in this, in this, in this kind of, uh, in this kind of strange and surprising and, uh, and kind of pleasant way, right? So let them share with you the things that, that they enjoy and share with them the things that you enjoy, right? It's this mutual, this sort of bi-directional communication of discovery, of, of consumption, of creation, and of exploration, right? So giving giving space for them to inspire to to inspire discovery, but also sharing what what makes you interested in things, right? Or what interests you. So that's the discovery types. Uh, moving on to the reverence types, we'll finish the heart temple before we get to this to the soul temple. The reverence types are kind of about uh, sacredness, almost. Uh, treating what they view as sacred as important, yeah, holding it with care is vital for the reverence type, for the INTJ and the ESFP. 
don't don't uh, don't mindlessly disregard the things that that they care or care about. And this is one way where the mind temple and the heart temple are in the superego connection because the mind temple, you know, if they can sense this sort of logical flaw in something that the INTJ or the ESFP views as sacred, they may just tear it to shreds, right? Because well, that that's not correct, that's not valid. You know, no authority is going to respect that. But from the heart temple perspective, it's not it's not that they don't care about what's correct or not, but it's it's about what it, what inspires, what people should care about, what people should should regard highly, right? And giving them the space to express what they what what they regard as as high, as, uh, what they highly regard, and also sharing what you care care about occasionally, or or what you or what you think highly of, allows them to refine what they care about because the heart temple is interesting as a whole because they have their own kind of system of refining and it can be like if you compare like the desecration pole of the INTJ and the ESFP and compare that to the fanatic pole of the ENTP and the ISFJ. There's this whole spectrum of of sacred callousness sort of with the heart temple. The fanatic types can be just all in about something and it's not it's not exactly if it's right or wrong, but if it works, right? If it, if it's worthy of, of, of respect. Versus with the with the reverence types with the, with the desecration pole, it's just like we're gonna break down everything and and whatever remains standing is is worth um, is worth respect, right? But f I think for the reverence types, it's just treating them with care, treating their status with care, uh, but also um, being willing to expose what you care care about, but holding it maybe a little bit softly, a little bit more softly than uh, basically letting, allowing what they care about to challenge what you care care about. In some ways, it's similar to the validation types, but it's it's more from a this heart, this value, uh, this evaluation perspective, right? So, but what it what it comes comes down to is um, basically caring about what they care care about and giving them the benefit of the doubt that what they care about may actually be important. And just like all the other types, when when you give them space to express them, their their origin, their almost always more open to challenge about, hey, you know, maybe it's not that important. Uh, you know, maybe how some stranger on the street treats you, maybe if they feel like they dis disrespected you, maybe that's not as important as how your family treats you or how your friends treat you, right? Because these, the heart temple types can, can take offense kind of easily. And, and that's kind of how they, how they oppose the mind temple in some ways. But on the flip side of that, they're also the most inspiring types. They can inspire so they can inspire so much so easily in other people, right? So I think it's just treating treating what they care about with a sense of 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 uh, basically giving the benefit of the doubt that maybe maybe there's actually something meaningful there, right? So that's the reverence types of the ESFP and the INTJ. So finishing off with the Soul Temple here. Um, Let's start with the INFJ and the ESTP of, of intimacy. Um, I think what these types are seeking the most is vulnerability. Now, the reason why this is, is because intimacy is, is in the context of a soul temple, which means it's in the context of identity, of character, of who people are. There's no better connection than connection through vulnerability. And INFJs uh, and ESTPs 
deep in their soul, they want to be vulnerable, right? They want to open themselves up to other people. Uh, they very rarely do, but the times when they when they do, it's usually because the people around them are being vulnerable with them. And ESTPs and INFJs are mirrors, just like all the Templars are, right? And when other people are open enough to being vulnerable with them, uh, it gives them it, it gives them a sense of calmness about exposing even small things about themselves, so maybe something they thought of or something that that they actually want, or maybe even their past if you're if you're really fortunate. Right? So if you're like a like a crusader or, or or a philosopher, an ESTJ, like an ENTP or 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 whatnot, and you're with a soul temple templar, an ESTP or INFJ. Exposing yourself, sharing your, your experience, sharing what you care about, sharing your, your failures, sharing things that maybe are, you know, are, are difficult to share sometimes. Uh, this can be, this can be a great way to expose yourself, to, to, to open yourself up to them, right? And it's not like you just, you know, open the zipper and everything comes out, but, but, you know, being, being conscious about sharing some things, right? And maybe saving some things for later, but, but being consistently vulnerable and open with them. And sharing experiences that that you might like to have, right? ESCPs and INFJs actually do care about what other people want, especially the INFJ. But but these types are also, you know, the part of the soul temple and the God functions of the soul temple are, are one of them is extrovert intuition. They're still seeking to be desirable, right? And as long as they have the space to to pursue what they want, they want to provide you with the experiences that you want as well. But I think what it really comes comes down to is just vulnerability. It's just opening yourself up to them because they want to know that you're trustworthy and they feel most connected when they know that you can rely on them, uh, when they know that, that uh, they can rely on you, right? And showing up consistently, uh, being there when they need you and also not punishing them for needing because these types are quite needy often even though they often seek self-sufficiency because they're so afraid of, of relying on others. Deep inside, they want to be able to rely on others. They want to, to know that other people will be there for them, right? And being vulnerable yourself is the quickest way, I think, to, to provide the space for that connection to take place. Right? So lastly um, is the justification types. Now, I think the justification types are the second most complex in terms of ways to preserve connection with others, right? Val validation is kind of a challenge in intimate relationships. I think justification is a challenge too. Uh, but justification, I think, ha has two parts to it. The first part is understanding. Uh, justification types, and the Soul Temple as a whole, but the justification types want to be understood. Remember that that we're seeking the secondary origin of our temple. The justification types want people to be to be close to them, to to seek them out, to be intimate with them, right? And how can you be intimate with someone if you don't understand them? So justification types love love when others seek to understand them. And this and this can be you know uh, with, with like an ENFJ talking to an ISTJ, asking about their life and what they've experienced and and, and the good experiences that they've had, the bad experiences that they've had what they care about, you know, with the ICTJ's FI, FI child. So drawing close to a justification type, right? Kind of pursuing them out, seeking them, seeking them out, making them, them feel like uh, they're interesting to you, like you want to know more about them, like you want to really understand them. And of course, this goes without saying, but, but not judging them for sharing themselves with you, right? 
that is, that is a vital piece in getting them to feel comfortable and getting them to feel desired by you over uh, you know, when you seek to understand them, right? And then I think the second piece of justification is uh, it's, it's a little bit similar to, to the reverence types, but for justification, it's, you know, they often have these rules, these, these standards, and it's, it's really about treating those rules and treating those standards with respect, right? With, with understanding their boundaries. And there, there may be a time to cross some of those boundaries or to, or to violate some of those standards, right? But more often than not, um, giving them the benefit of the doubt that there are reasons, that there are good reasons that they have those standards and that they have those boundaries, right? Um, and, and not, you know, not just punching through those whenever you can. What you'll find, as you'll find with all the philosopher types, when you draw close to them, uh, whether it be, be through intimacy or through validation with the equivalent, you know, authority or justification that the philosopher types are seeking, uh, they will often push aside some of their boundaries and some of their, their standards because they know they can trust you because you seek to understand them and, uh, they want to be known, right? So treating their boundaries with, with respect and, and giving them the benefit of the doubt that whatever they value, whatever boundaries they, they have are there for a good reason. Um, that opens up this, the space to talk about them, to have them share with you. And it's probably usually something in their life. So maybe a, a, probably a negative experience that, that, that created what they feel is a need for this boundary. And those boundaries may be extremely needed, right? But when you understand those, those, those boundaries too, it's a lot easier to respect them. And because of that, it has a similarity to the reverence types in terms of what they, what the reverence types care about treating that, that care, uh, regarding it with a certain respect, right? So anyway, that, that is the, the eight origins as related to intimate relationships and how you can provide your significant other with a space to express their, their origin, to express their authority or their desire to, for intimacy or, or desire for discovery, but also to help them uh, to give to them the ammunition or the input, the fuel in order for them to experience the, their origin with like an ESFJ taking them out to a, to a new restaurant or to a new movie or, or showing them something you've been working on or, or, or giving them their, their favorite drink or something like that. Right. It can be, it's, it's at its core, I think. And I think the beauty of this science is it's really not that complicated usually, or it's not that hard to, provide something to to someone that makes them feel seen and understood it can be complicated to keep all the all these rules in mind but i think that that's that is the greatest thing so far about the cognitive about the cognitive origins that i think it's the most accessible piece of the science where people can still get an insane amount of value out of especially in relation to their in, in, in relationship to their intimate relationships right with the people that, that they love the people that are close to them so uh, anyway, with, with that being said, I mentioned season 14 earlier. Um, if you guys want to understand these int the interactions of intimate relationships from a more technical perspective of the, of the functions and, you know, what types are most likely to be together, season 14, part one, two, and three will give you basically all the tools that you need for any relationship, even though, you know, season 14 talks about the pedagogue, the golden pair, and, and the natural pair. The rules in that can be can be applied to any of the of the eight compatible relationships that you can have the knowledge basically that 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 you need to have the best chance of of conducting a successful and a meaningful relationship. Right. So uh, anyway, folks, that's it for me. And uh, please uh, t 
tell us what you what you think down in the in, in the comments. I know uh, we care about relationships here and we care about a lot of other things too. But uh, tell us uh, tell us what you think. Tell us some of your experiences with cognitive origins and and I, I think what I'm most curious to hear about is just as a brainstorming exercise, if you think about your intimate relationship or a past intimate relationship, what are the times when you felt the most connected to that person? And was it related to your origin in some way, right? So anyway, food for, food for thought. Thanks for tuning in, guys. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next video.